Welcome to another Tabletop Ramble guys, I'm your host Jacko. On this week's show, Matt Buck is joining me as we continue our chat about ideas for a bored, lonely wargamer. Bless him. In our Kickstarter kick around, we take a look at Rule Benders, Aqua Garden, and The Specialist. But before that, here's this week's Tabletop Gaming News. First up this week, Shot and Totten 2, that's coming out by ILO Games. This is going to feature a similar gameplay to Shot and Totten, but it's going to have a few little twists, and this time it's going to be one player as the attacker who's going to be trying to breach the walls of the defender. The artwork on it is absolutely fantastic, I really do like this one. It's a nice, fast, asymmetrical card game. It's for two players, lasts about 20 minutes, and is recommended for 8 years plus. Absolutely brilliant game, this one by Reiner Knizia. Definitely worth a look. <laughs> Following on from last week, where I said that June was going to get a new board game called June Imperium, which is going to be blending deck building and worker placement. At ModCon that was on this week, Modifius have announced that they're going to be bringing out a June RPG, which is called Adventures in the Imperium. This is looking pretty good, so if you're a fan of the uh, June series by Frank Herbert, could be well worthwhile having a look at. <laughs> Frostgrave 2 is going to get his first expansion called the Red King. So the Red King is the first supplement designed for Frostgrave the second edition. In this sprawling epic campaign wizards will be pushed to the limits fighting not only against one another and the perils of the frozen city but also against invading armies. This is due out on the 10th of December so only a few days to go. Okay, well, yeah, we'll go into the board game bit. Go for it. Have a guess. A board game? Is it a military game? No. Oh, it's not. Right, okay. Um, no, so that's not a board game. Um, I was going to think it was Kingdom Death Monster. But... It is a board game. Is that a board game? I suppose, well, yeah, I suppose it's played on the board. It's yeah. on a okay, massive yeah. board. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go on then. <laughs> I'll just put the kettle on while you're going about Kingdom of Death Monster. Yay! <laughs> go for I'm, it. I'm not going to go mad on this because I am going to try and twist your arm where we can have little episodes where we go into depth. Like Star Wars Imperial Assault, for example, we can go into a lot more depth than that, I think. Oh, yeah. So, so I think we can try and do this as a four-part hour-long special. Um, but yeah, King, um, Kingdom Death, it's... It is a, it, I don't want to say it's a money sink because it's such an amazing game, but you pay for it. Mm. But the amount of stuff you get in the box is just insane. Um, the game itself, I absolutely love. So the mechanics of the game, and, and because it's like a game in three parts, 
So you have your hunt track, which is where you're hunting your next uh, enemy to fight and thing, and the cards on the board can mess you up or they can really reward you and things like that. Then you actually fight the thing. So you're running around with your characters and stuff. And then you've got your settlement phase where you're sort of like building new weapons and building new areas to sort of like forward your civilization going forward. It starts off as like a four, they recommend a like four player game. So you like each person controls a character, but what's to say that you can't control four characters? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 well within ease to to actually do it. I mean, I've I've played a couple of sort of campaigns where I've done it on my own and gone through, literally done like one lantern year, sort of sorted it all out, done all that, got ready for the next part of the game, and then sort of like packed it all up, you know, because you get um the bits of paper like the character sheets and stuff like that, so you can make your notes on what's going on, what weapons you've got, and everything like that. Um. It's just it's just one of those games that for me because there's so much variety in there, you don't know what you're coming up against every time you leave the settlement to go out fighting. Mm, yeah, and the miniatures are amazing. I think the gameplay is really good. I have heard a few people sort of say that they they think that the mechanics are a bit too simple. Mm. My argument with that is if they make them incredibly complex, it's just going to make the game far too complex because you've got a fairly simplish sort of way of doing um, like your settlement phase. You've got a fairly simple way of going out for a hunt. So then if you add like all these really ridiculously weird and wacky rules for combat and stuff, it's going to slow that combat area down. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get where you're so, coming from. So it's the reason why I like it is it's just nice and simple. You're all in D tens and stuff and it's, you know, quick and simple and very brutal and then you come up against an enemy that you weren't expecting to fight and you just think, oh, crap, and you're just trying desperately to survive. Um, TPKs are quite common, but the game is designed for that, so it is a mm. brutal game and everything. And I, it, For me, it's one of those games where I really like it because it's sort of like the book itself hand-holds you through the very first fight, so it, mm. it sort of says, do this, you know, try to do that. If you roll this dice, this happens and blah, 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 and, try, you know, try and do this. And so it's sort of it's sort of hand-holding you through the first fight, but sort of like explaining the rules to you at the same time. It's not just do this, oh, you didn't roll that, we'll change the dice and make it this attack sort of thing. It's actually saying if you do this and if you do that. If one of your characters dies, this is what happens when the character dies. And so it's doing that. And then it just sort of goes, right, there you go, you're on your own. And you're just like, yeah. oh crap, um, because you're not going, you know, you know, you're not starting off with ridiculous amount of weapons and stuff. You're not starting off with you're basically what you've got. But the thing that I really like about it is, in the back of the book, it gives you alternate ways of playing the game. So, for example, there's one that's called um, the Seven Swordsman. Yeah, you have seven survivors. They have a certain amount of equipment, and they all have a specific sword. You have to get them to the end of the campaign. They can't. You can't reproduce, so you can't get any more survivors. And if all seven of them die, that's the end of the campaign. So yeah, it's like see know. how see how far through you can get. So that's a great way of doing it as a single player. It's like you know finding these little um, ways of actually playing the game in that's not the traditional Kingdom Death monster. It's actually utilizing the, the bits at the back of the book that have been suggested by the author to actually go in and sort of like tweak how the game plays because 
for me, Kingdom Death Monster, when you're playing it as the standard game, is a great four-player game so you can discuss your tactics and everything like that. Yeah. If you're going to do it as a single-player game, play something that you're probably not going to play as a four-player game mm. and sort of go through the game and just see how... Because, again, it gives you great little stories that you can you can sort of you know recite to yourself or tell friends, you know, oh, I played Kingdom Death Monster, but I played this variant of it and, you know, this is what happened and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it gives you much more value to the game, then, doesn't it? Yeah, very much the, so. The more the more variety, the better. Yeah, yeah. The one of the things I was going to say when you was on about the uh, the battle mechanics, mm. you, you know, you were saying they are quite simple. They are quite simple, but what what I would say is uh, it makes it even more so suitable for a solo game mm. because the AI is very <laughs> much I am going to do this as you know. Yes. It, it's, you draw your card mm. and the creature is going to act that way. So it's not even because what I find in some games, you've almost got to say it's got an AI. You almost got to think, well, yeah, they just wouldn't really do that. Yeah. So you, you, you almost try and think what the best move is for yeah. it. But in this case, no, it, this creature is going to do this. There's yeah. no arguing with it. So, yeah. yeah, it's got, yeah, it's got three or four lines of text where it's like, this is the first thing that it does. If it can't fulfill that, it goes to the next one. If it can't fulfill that, it'll go to the next one. If it can't fulfill that one, it'll have um, something that it does that's specific to that creature that it'll do. So, for example, the screaming antelope, if it can't fulfill all of those, it will what's called graze. So it'll run up and it will eat some of the um, like the terrain on the board. If there's no terrain on the board, it will do something else. So you, so it gives it that sort of, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, it will do this. Oh, it can't do that, yeah. so it's going to do this instead, and that's the last sort of thing it will do. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, oh, well, you've got some miniatures, and you've got some characters and stuff, and then you've got the bad guys, and they're all drawing from a deck of cards. It's like, okay, but the characters and the, the movements and stuff on them and the, the actions that they do are so different to each other yeah you're not it's not a case of we're fighting the white lion which is the first thing you fight then we're going to go on against the screaming antelope which is the second thing it's basically the lion but with a different model Mm. it's it plays and it fights and it feels like a completely different character yeah and then you start getting into sort of like the butcher who's your first nemesis fight and that's a completely different character to the first two yeah he does be totally different yeah and it and it's just how that works and all it is is a deck of cards Mm. but it's just that thing of it's you know it's a board full of squares and it's a deck of cards and it's a character but every single character you come up against feels completely different to the last one oh definitely definitely yeah and it's just it's just that sort of thing of I'm going to stuff you up this time because you hurt me last time. And it just mm. comes at you and then the wrong card comes out and you're on the back foot. And it's, I've, I've, again, I've not, come, I've not come across, ugh, I've not come across a game where it's been, feels like it's been a repeat of the previous game. Even if I'm, no. even if I'm going, I'm going to fight a white lion next year, I'm going to fight another white lion because I need some more resources when I kill it. It feels as though it's a completely different sort of fight. Right. Well, and the, probably the reason why I was going to say, just in case people are wondering, well, why is this game suitable for a, a war gamer? Mm. The number one reason is the quality of the miniatures. I yes. mean, if you're if you're somebody who likes playing in miniatures, you will absolutely love this game. I mean, they're yeah. just they're just outstanding, aren't they? They're, I, th- I believe they're all three D printed. Are they really? I think so. I might be oh. wrong. I've heard someone say to me that they are three D printed. Right. Okay. Um. 
Do not hold me on that. I will see if I can do some research before this goes out, but to see if we can get that edited, if I am incorrect. But I believe they're 3D printed. If not, Mm -hmm. the casting on them is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them have little gaps, so um, like green stuff or something similar will probably not go a million miles away, but they're so nice to paint. They take paint really, really well, and you just take your time with them because the sculpts on them are so nice. You don't want to just sort of like get a six inch brush and go splat. There we go. They're painted. You you want to take your time with them. Mm. Um, I mean, I've personally, I've built up all of the enemies. So all of the enemies are built up and I've built up about six or seven of the survivors. Okay. I've got a box full of sprues of, different survivors with different weapons and different armor class, uh, different armor sorts and stuff like that. Mm. Because when you're going along, if you get like a full set of armor, you can build a little character with the full set of armor. And then you could turn around and go, well, this character is going to have a sword and a shield, for example. So you can build them up as a little sword and shield wearing a full set of armor. So when that character comes out or when someone comes out with a full set with a sword and shield, you can go, right, that's going to be that character now because it represents them. Okay. Yeah. So you've got a lot more of, um, you know, it's because it, the game isn't um, WYSIWYG in any way, shape no. or form. It's just what your character is. That character is representing me. And this is what they're carrying on the character sheet and the, and the, item grid but you have got the options in there if you want to go out and say this is what this character is going to look like this is what i'm going to build this character to do and there's dozens upon dozens of them in there Mm, yeah so it's it for me at the moment it's a game that just doesn't stop giving and i still haven't got any of the expansion packs for it yet right okay yeah Well, I say it's good that you're saying that because I say it's not a cheap game. That is the one for you it's, to highlight. That is that is the one issue. But like I said, you but if you're getting value out of it, and oh, you're getting yeah. the enjoyment, then yes. it's worth it. Yes, the box the box looks very daunting. <laughs> yes, but, but once you've actually start, sat down and you've organised the box, I mean, when I got it, I sat down, I undid all the cards and organised the box. It took me about an hour hour and a half right. to get just to do the cards and get it organized into bits where i knew where things were mm. once you've done that you can go to your cards very quickly and easily and you know where things are going and stuff like that that's really sort of like your biggest sort of time sink into it until you start right. playing um, yeah <clears throat> but yeah there is a lot of stuff in the box it looks very daunting but once it's all broken down and you know where things are and you've, you've sorted it all out it's a very simple game to sort of like run even if you're the person who's, whose game it is, read through the book. It will tell you, like I say, it basically walks you through the first fight. And if you die, restart and go along and bits and pieces like that. And so you're learning the rules. And it's very easy to teach because it's very sort of, you need to do this. This is the thing you need to roll. You need to add this number to it and things like that. So it's it's such a good game. Oh, it is actually. Yeah. <clears throat> when I played it, I was... I was so impressed by it, and the the depth of the and the decision it makes you create is sort of like I forget what happened where I think one of our characters died, and in the end we ended up eating her for food. Yes, it was, you know things yeah. like decisions like that, and yeah. yeah, yeah, you've got things like cannibalism. So if if one of your survivors dies, you draw an extra resource card when you get back to yes. the settlement. So because you've harvested their body sort of thing. And it's it's little things like that where you're thinking, oh, our, our settlement's going dark, but, and and you can either, you can try and game it 
and and the game actually says use your abilities and stuff to game the monsters because if you don't you're gonna get your ass handed to you oh yeah yeah so so you you make items where you go i'm gonna spend my action rather than trying to attack the monster i'm gonna look through the top couple of cards of his ai deck so we know what attacks they're gonna do and we can change the order if we want to yeah and we and we know what hit location is going to be so we can go right that's got a really good critical hit on it so we'll put that to the top and we'll try and get the next person to do a critical critical hit on it so so you haven't a game game it like that because if you go in blind you've got no chance no no uh, what we'll do i think we'll move on from this one yes because like i say we'll go on for a long time <laughs> with it and uh yeah but we yeah i'm sure we could do an actual special on this game mm. <laughs> Right. Okay. Right. Cool. So we're gonna jump over now. The the game I'm gonna come up with is probably an absolute polar opposite to okay. Kingdom Death Monster. So there's no miniatures. Um. Actually, I'm gonna do the next two because I can pretty much put them together. So the next one is gonna be Castle Itter. Oh yeah. And I'm putting that in with Pavlov's house. So okay. I don't know if you've heard of either of those. I know what they are in historical terms. Right, well, yeah, so, well, that's probably the best place to start, really, because mm. these are both real-life stories that happened in World War Two. Yes. And so Castle Itter, uh, you'll probably know a bit more about this, mm. but from my understanding, when I looked into it, it was a, a battle that involved Allied forces, Germans, uh, POWs, a tennis player, everybody <laughs> fighting together against the SS. Yes. So it was it was actually quite weird to actually have, and actually I think there was even an SS officer fighting with them as well, trying to hold off mm. the oncoming SS. Yeah. Uh, it was an absolutely incredible story where, and like I say, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. Mm. So basically, what happened was that World War Two is coming to an end. And there was what you would call a prisoner of war site, which was Castle Witter. Mm. And they had some quite high profile prisoners there. Yes. So uh, were they leaders of resistance and things like that and politicians? There there was a number of French politicians, um, a tennis player for some yeah. reason i can't remember what he was in prison for i think it was some sort of um like resistance based um, right. activities but yes yeah. yeah they're political the majority of them were political um friends. yeah and so anyway so world war ii is coming to an end and i believe they got wind that basically the war's over and so the guards at ranju were pretty much i'll oh, sod this we're off sort of thing almost but what happened was the SS, which were still fighting for their cause and they're not wanting to give up, they're they're on their way. And it looked like pretty much they, it, they were either going to hold them as hostage or they were just going to execute them. Hmm. And one of the, now, there's still a few guards on the side of the time and they let out, I think, I don't know if it was tennis player, I think it might have been, but they let him out to run some errands. And he ended up basically breaking free, not go because he he got quite well with them, and so he was sort of like do little odd jobs for him, and they would always return. Mm. But on this one occasion, because he knew something was up, he basically instead of going back, he actually made a break for it, run so many miles, and managed to get in contact with the Allied forces to say, "Look, 
we're in this castle sort of thing. Mm. And then if I remember rightly, you actually run all the way back and broke in. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. just, um, and so like the, the SS forces are coming and the, the I think initially the British guy and the Americans are sort of like, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. And so, yeah. And one of the SS guys who decided to stay with them, he basically took arms up against the oncoming SS because he's actually got quite friendly with everybody who, like all the prisoners that were there. And he was sort of like, well, I don't want to see these guys get slaughtered. Mm. And, but it's, I mean, I'm probably absolutely butchering this whole story and I'm not doing it any credit whatsoever, but it's just absolutely fascinating. It's, it's fairly close. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So the SS were actually in control of the castle. Right. Um, they were utilizing that as basically, um, I don't know if it was a full-on prisoner of war camp or just like a, a holding area, because um, right. I I know that it was very closely associated with Dachau concentration camp. Yes, yes. Um, and so yes, yeah, so basically right at the end of the war, I think it was actually just after Hitler had um, committed suicide. So theoretically, the war's kind of still going on, but yeah, very loosely at this point. Um, but yeah, the um, the Americans had got a word that there was a number of French prisoners, um, former prime ministers, there was some generals in there, and the tennis player. Um, <laughs> and they were being held at this place called Castle Itter. And they basically enlisted the forces of um, a German and his unit. And they basically went along with one tank, a group of American soldiers, a group of German soldiers. I think the French prisoners, once the fight actually started out, joined in and they were basically fighting from the inside. And mm. I believe there was a number of Austrians as well. Now, yeah. I believe they there were some of them were inside, but some of them had obviously, again, got wind and were trying to help the Americans. Um, but yeah, essentially, that's basically what they did. They got the tank and they parked the tank on a bridge to basically say... No one's coming in. No one's going out. So this is our sort of fight sort of thing. Mm. And yeah, so the tennis player actually, I'm not sure if the tennis player was doing errands or whether he just managed to climb over the wall. Um, he, But I know that, yes, the tennis player basically made his way to the um, the Americans and basically said, yeah, this is what's going on. This is where everybody's being held. This is what's happening and things like that. He then ran back, climbed back over the wall into the castle, let the... Um, prisoners know there's Americans and a force of Germans coming to rescue us. This is what we mm. need to do. And and yeah, so the SS were fighting basically a last pitch battle for whatever reason, because like I say, the war's basically over. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really, really weird one because it, it is sort of like the Germans and the Americans are fighting on the same side for the same cause to free French prisoners. And it's, it's yeah. a really bizarre sort of story from world war Two, which i think is one of the reasons why i really enjoy reading about it well this was it i mean i just got so invested when i actually heard about the game i had to go and check mm. out and follow up on what actually happened mm. but it, yeah it's absolutely incredible but th- there is like i say they've actually done a game of it mm. um to get back to what we're meant to be talking about yes but <laughs> it is exactly that now all of this is sort of I, don't know, I suppose it's got an almost tower defence about it. Mm. And so you're in this castle when you've got these different characters and you're trying to deploy them at different points within the castle mm. and the SS are coming and you've got the the one tank 
and you got that sort of parked on the bridge and you're trying to fend them off and all the time like you've got a deck that and you need to hold off these ss before or uh, in time for when the uh, the uh, the allied forces can come back and then fight off the uh, the ss troops yeah but it's yeah it's a very nice solo yeah, tower defense game. I think that's pretty much the best way of describing it. And you just got to try and move your people around. And these are all on tokens. Mm. Now, I'm pretty certain you can actually do it as a free print and play as well. All right. So it's well worthwhile checking out. Uh, you can buy this ball game, but it's very hard to get older from what I could see. I, I, I tried picking it up, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. But there is, like I say, there's a print and play available. Mm. Um, this was done by David Thompson, and it is printed by DVG, which is Dan Verson Games. Mm. Now, they've also done Pavlov's House, and I'm not going to go into as much detail on that one. But mm. again, do you know the story behind Pavlov's House? Um, as far as I'm aware, it was basically a ruined building in... Oh, I was going to say, was it Stalingrad? I think yeah, it was, it was in yeah. Stalingrad, yeah. Um, and it was basically just Pavlov's house because it was a, a recognisable landmark. There was well, a... pa- Pavlov was apparently he was a sergeant and he took the building with about six troops and they right. basically took it over from Germans. Mm. And then there's different accounts, but apparently like accounts from they managed to hold this for almost two months and there was like only yes. 24 of them against all the might of the Germans. Yeah. Or, but there's other accounts where it was actually quite a, a well fortified place where it was getting uh, reinforcements like almost every day, but it's still, it's a nice story how they managed to get like a toehold in this part of Stalingrad. And then like, they were able to hold off the Germans for such a long time. Yes. But yeah, it's got, um, a, quite a similar feel to it as Castle Itter, mm. uh, where again, you've got, you've got like a, a zoomed in part of the game where, which is within the house mm. and you can, again, you sort of allocate your different people and you can, look to try and get different resources and things like that then there's like a bigger map of the area where you'll have the troops that are trying to make their way towards the the house and then there's an overall bigger one where you'll be able to assign sort of like artillery backup and airstrikes and things like that okay so, yeah. so it's almost it's like a game that's played on three different levels mm. like and sort of each bit sort of zooms out if that makes sense yeah but yeah, yeah, that that that, that looks really interesting. Again, it's uh, by the same guy, and I I believe again that's available on a print and play as well. But I've got to double check that one. Though. Yeah. I know I know a couple, but again, I'm going from the historical point of war gaming. So I I know a, a collection of war games that are built pretty much for solo. I'm, okay. From what the one that I've played, and I know that the mm-hmm. person who I borrowed it from told me that there was more in this sort of genre, I can't see how a second player would actually get involved. Okay. Um, so it's a group of um, games called Field Commander, mm-hmm. um, and they have different sort of um, time periods. They've got uh, the one I played was Field Commander Rommel. So it's all about World War Two in North Africa. Um, so yeah, so the one that I borrowed is um, one called Field Commander Rommel. Um, so you're basically yeah. in World War Two in North Africa, um, and it's like a one-player little um, campaign that you do. Um, I would probably try and recommend if you're anyone like me is setting it up somewhere where you can leave it for a little while, so you can do a couple of turns and then you can go away, have a think about what you're going to do, or just 
take a bit of time away and then come back to it rather than trying to pack it all up and everything. Mm. If if you're really insane, feel free to obviously go at it. And I mean, it's not a really long play time, but there's just some things that when the AI, when you have to work through the AI, something will come up and you just think, I really wasn't expecting that. Okay. So it, sometimes I always sort of go, right, I'm going to have 10 minutes away just to think about what I can do and, and things like that. But if you play all the way through, I think it's only a couple of hours anyway. Yeah. So if you just sort of go, no, I'm playing this in one go, and you can do that. Um, they also have other ones. So there's one. Um, is... Sorry, how, how does the AI work on that? Is it a card? Is it an app? Is it, it nice? Um, or... From what I could... Oh, it's such a long time ago. Um, so you get your main battle board, and then on the side you've got... Um, it, it's almost like another little board section. Mm-hmm. And essentially what you do is you'll move all your stuff and then you'll roll dice and depending on what you roll and what phase you're in in, in that part of the war, it will tell you what happens and where the um, like your enemy moves to and things like that and how many troops they're moving and, and that sort of stuff. So then you're trying to... Re- so it's not a sort of... I've so it's got-, got an automatic response to what you do? To a degree, yes. Right, okay. Um. So you're not playing a sort of like this is soldier a and this is soldier b and this is it's more you're moving sort of like tokens to represent you know divisions and regiments and stuff like that around rather than squad based stuff right okay. so it's it's much more overview sort of um simulation of wargaming gotcha gotcha yeah um so yeah so that's the world war Two one they've also got another one for um alexander so mm-hmm. you, right the way back into sort of like you know your ancient sort of um and again it's very sort of similar um they're the only two that i know of but i'm pretty sure i'd be amazed if they're the only two that they do because they are really enjoyable Mm. i've just not been able to get my hands on any so they are quite rare so if you can get hold of them then brilliant um but like I say, my, my my friend got hold of a couple of them because he had been signed off work with a, an injury, so he was having a lot of time off work to recover and recuperate. wasn't be, wasn't able to get to the club that we were at at the time, and so he he literally went online and was going, "I want a single player war game that I can play on my own that I don't have to disturb anyone with." And and these were the ones that were recommended, and he started buying yeah. a few of these, and he said he absolutely loves them, um, and I think he still plays them now, but. They're, they're sort of ones, but again, that's a sort of like a historical thing. So if you're into your history and stuff like that, they're ones that you could look at because you think, oh, I know what happened in you know North Africa yeah. in, in 1941, 42 and stuff. So I've, I've got that as a sort of a background behind it. So they're more board game ones. Right? It is a more of a board game one. Yeah, it's like like I say, it is a, 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 an overview in map and, and things like that. And like I say, you're moving your counters around mm. um, as opposed to actual necessarily figures. But they are tokens to represent your um, your actual uh, like your forces. I'd say there's nothing to turn around and sort of say I've got German figures and I've got British figures that are sort of like dressed in well and you know desert stuff and I'm going to utilize those to use them as markers because you're only using them as markers for this. And. Now, I, I'm hoping you played this one, but oh. this one was one that, because I was asking around and someone recommended me this. Okay. And again, this is purely on theme. If you're sort of a military uh, gamer, that he said he said that you'd probably like D-Day Dice. Have you played D-Day Dice? I've not played it myself, but I have heard a lot of people saying very good things about it. Yeah, so 
from what from what he was describing, he was saying that it's basically Normandy. Uh, yes. You're fighting on the beaches and you're rolling dice and then you're assigning and you're trying to storm the beaches and stuff. Mm. But he said, look, if for anybody who likes military themed games, D-Day Dice is a really good solo one. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've yeah, like I said, I've not played it. I've heard I have heard very good things about it. And my last game is that's a solo one is a this is again for 40k players uh, purely theme alone but it is a very good game is space hulk death angel right uh this one is a card game and it's based on the the space hulk miniature game really Mm. where you'll lay down cards and what happens is you'll get these uh, gene stealer aliens that start coming towards you and you, you need to sort of like try and offend them off uh, and you'll slowly sort of build up a corridor and you've got to try and you're trying to fend them off or you run out of cards on the deck and you sort of like you can jump off into little corridors and then there's going to be others that are going to start coming towards you. But it's a really good one. I think it plays up to about five or six players i'll double check and i'll put that in the show notes yeah but yeah that when i played that i really enjoyed that it's uh, i think it's out of print because that one was made by ffg right when they were in cahoots with uh oh games workshop yeah uh games workshop uh like they basically decided to go their different ways so they lost their franchise yeah to produce all the games for uh 40k so unfortunately i don't make it anymore mm. i don't know whether games workshop were ever going to bother but uh making it again mm. but it is a very good uh nice little solo car game fair enough uh, 40k thing yeah cool. all right so that's all my board games now, i'll say i'm done so yeah right oh, okay right well you can chip in and help me out um now what i was gonna say is there's quite a few rpgs now RPG is going to be tough to play by yourself. Yeah. There are some solo ones, but I'll have to get Adam, who's our specialist, on to talk about those. Yeah. But I know there was a 40k one that a lot of guys in our gaming group used to play called Only War. Okay. Um, now, why I say this, and this is going to open up for so many RPGs, is that you'll be able to play these online, a lot of them. Mm. If you like fantasy, you know, you can play likes of Pathfinder, you can play yeah. uh, D&D online. Mm. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of these sort of things that you'll be able to get online and be able to do. And speaking of online, I mean, you know, a lot of games you could be able to play on Tabletop Simulator. I, I, was, just, I was just about to say, yeah, you've got the, the options of, of things like Tabletop Simulator. Um, Vassal's another one. Yep. Now, I know that playing a miniature game on the computer it's not the same but it's just an option and it can be done like we, we did play some games of Arkworld, and i've played quite a few games of x-wing which mm. is a miniature game on uh, vassal and yeah. also uh they've got a, a dreadball league on vassal as well oh, yeah. so you can definitely do it it's not the same as rolling di- physical dice, but if, no, if I you know need, it's not. If you need your, you know, your board game kick and you know your, your tabletop kick and stuff like that, sometimes it's just that um, the, the social aspect of it. Well, this was going to actually be my last point and the thing that I would recommend to do because not only playing games solo will only be able to do so much; it will mm. keep your brain occupied. But I think. 
at the end of the day, we are social creatures. Mm. Probably my top tip out of all of this is to actually try and talk to people. You know, yeah. Get online. Yeah. You know, join some forums. You know, do just do anything you can do to just because sometimes just like what we're doing now, just chatting about it. Yeah. It's all. I mean, I've been sitting there and I'm like, I really fancy playing that, and it just gives you a bit <laughs> of a buzz back. Yeah. I'm going to be very busy for the next few days just trying to get somebody's games back out again. Yeah. So I, I think for me. Get on the forum, use Discord, use uh, Facebook, use Twitter, whatever you want to do. Mm. There's so many out there. Um, oh, well, by the way, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to get our website up and running, and we're going to have a forum on there. So if you fancy joining that, you'd be more than welcome. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, that's it. Um, You know, go on to Facebook and just in the search bar, type in a game that you, you know, if you play 40K, you play Flames War, Bolt Action, anything like that, you know, type it in there'll be dozens and dozens of groups that people will have set up mm. and all you need to do is just jump into a group and see what's going on and if you don't like it leave and find another group and stuff and like you say sometimes it's just that thing of talking to people about it and you might sit there and you go actually yeah i was, I was thinking of adding this unit to my to my sort of like regular force that i use so i can swap out an infantry unit for a tank unit or something similar so they're talking about how this unit's really really effective against infantry or this unit's really really effective against other tanks and stuff so maybe i'll have a look at buying that from a local um small independent war gamer particularly at this moment in time when everything's crap um <laughs> and you know so, so you can then sort of like you know get that uh, uh, like you say that the passion back for because i think at the moment a lot of passion is being sapped because everyone's sat on their own you're not allowed out you're not allowed to see yeah. it and stuff like that so just getting that passion back by talking to people online like you say, whether it's through Discord, whether it's through, you know, one of these um, things where you can play like your uh, role-playing games, things like Roll20 or anything like that. If you join a Facebook group or you start start a Twitter account or start a blog, sort of document what you're doing to give people inspiration because then they might come back and say to you, you've given me inspiration, I've started to do this, which might give you more inspiration. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I mean... You, I think you, you'll be surprised on how much influence people do have an, over each other without even trying. Yeah. You know, just little things. I mean, it, what you might say <clears throat> might be totally wrong in the direction they want to go, but that almost confirms in their head that mm. that's the wrong way to go. Yeah. Anything you can do just to you know, get get your voices out there. Mm. What I would say is, I mean, we've just done a very brief, well, not very brief at all. We've been, <laughs> we've been rambling. We've been rambling. <laughs> but that, that's what we're meant to do. But we've been trying to cover so many bases. If there's a, a like a, a game in specific that you like, you know, go find a, um, a forum for that game mm. and they'll go into so much more detail mm. than we could ever do in this space of time. Yeah. And, and they'll be more knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, oh, uh, I find that very hard to believe. Oh, yes. But you know, there's things there's things that we've discussed today where I I sort of go I'm aware of the game or I've played yeah. it once or twice, so I'm, I'm aware of basics of it. But you know, you turn around and say, so this unit will be really good against this. I haven't got a clue. You know, I've played it a couple of times. It was a good game. I had a laugh, and that's been about it. Other games I've I've mentioned today are you know really big on my sort of like list of games that I enjoy playing. So I'm a bit more knowledgeable about them. So yeah, so yeah, ask ask around, see see what other people recommend, and like I say, just see if you can get your passion from talking to other people about certain things. And like I say, it might make you realise, hold on, I've actually got some of that unit in my collection of you know sprues that I've got. 
so I can actually start building that. Mm. Or I've I've wanted to have this unit in my army for a long time. Now's the time because I've got the time to actually sit down and paint it and and do things like that. I'm now going to go out and buy it and actually add it to my collection. Oh yeah, absolutely spot on. Because that's where for me games like I know Rangers, Shadow Deep, and Starbreeze come in their own. Because the chances are that you will have minis sat there already, and it will just give you a different option to play those games. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I'm trying to think, but I think even the Star Breach game, I think the rules are free to download on that as well. Yeah, it's costing you nothing, and you're getting another game to yeah. use those minis for. Yeah. Uh, have a look around, guys. Like I say, hopefully, we've given you some ideas anyway. There's a lot more out there. A good resource, I must admit, is a BGG, yeah. where. I, I, I just told in, say, solo games, and the amount that are on there is ridiculous. I mean, I hadn't heard of half of them, but, for example, if you're a military gamer, oh, there's so many on there. Yeah. I I would love to talk about them all, but we'd still be going, like, yeah. well, next month. <laughs> I don't know enough about them, so I wouldn't want to talk about them. It's a good resource, so if you're stuck for a game, go on to BGG, the Ball Game Geek website, because they're absolutely fantastic there. Mm. Right, I think that's about it. Have you got anything to add, Matt? I'm, I think I'm done, yeah. I think that's all good. Right, well, in that case, I'd like to say a massive thank you for Matt for spending his time and helping us out. Some of your insight into wargaming is, is way beyond what I've got, I must admit. Yeah. Although I think I am getting better. You are getting much better, yes. Um, and I'll put that down to you, I must admit, because you know, you've... You talked me around in trying different miniature games and mm. painting and stuff. So, yeah, I do appreciate that. That's not a problem. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, thank you again. I'd like to add the uh, all these are going to be going up on the show notes on the website. So, if you want to go to the website, that's uh, tabletopramble.com and click onto the actual podcast, and there'll be a bit that says show notes. Everything's listed on there that we've spoken about. Okay. Much appreciated, and uh, speak to you again soon. It's time for the Kickstarter Kickaround! The first Kickstarter we're going to be looking at today is called The Specialist. This is brought to you by Explore 8. The goal of the game is to recruit the best specialists and assemble your dream team that will be there to rob banks, casinos and jewellers from the biggest cities in the world. You can gain millions and become a legend. So if you think in Ocean's Eleven, then you're along the right sort of lines. In the game, you'll roll dice, and then using those pips, that will allow you to recruit the certain specialists. You'll then be able to use other dice to trigger that card's abilities. If you have more cards of the same colour, those abilities will also trigger, which will lead to a nice chain effect. The game will play for 12 rounds, or the first person to complete 7 different heists, and whoever has the most money wins. It plays for 1 to 4 players, should take between 30 to 75 minutes and is recommended for 14 years plus. Four different designers got together to produce this, so we had Marco Canetta, Stefania Nicolini, Dimitri Perrier and Anne-Catherine Perrier. The artwork on this is really nice by Christine Alcouf, I believe that's how you pronounce it. The campaign easily funded within two hours and it is currently sitting quite nicely more than quadruple its uh, 9,000 target. Pledge level start of £37 and this will give you the standard edition with all the stretch goals. Or you could get the deluxe Kickstarter 
which will set you back £55. And in this one, you'll also get gang poker chips, 3D diamond, and a mini expansion. There's only a few days left in the shoe to finish on Saturday, December the 12th. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to own a giant public aquarium, then Aqua Garden could be the game for you. Designed by Totsuka Chuo, I apologise again if I've got that wrong. This game looks absolutely stunning. I'm a big fan. The box art alone is just wow. In the game, the idea is that you're going to try and build the biggest and best aquarium for people to come and visit. It's for one to four players, should take between 40 to 60 minutes, and is recommended for ages 15 plus. In the game, you'll be able to recruit many sorts of aquatic life from things like clownfish, turtles, even up to big whale sharks and rays. All of the meeples look absolutely stunning. It also, I don't know what it is with these sort of first player markers that really appeal to me, but this one comes to one similar to last week where you've actually got worms coming out of the ground. But yeah, I really like them. Aqua Garden by publisher Uki Bakoya. Uh, I don't know if I got that one right, but we'll try. Its funding has been absolutely amazing. At the time of recording, it's already done 138,000 when it was only after 11,000. There's still a few days to go on this one. It's due to finish on Tuesday next week, so on the 15th of December. Pledge levels for this start at £35. That's for the Aqua Garden and all the unlocked stretch goals. Or if you want the outdoor expansion, that'll cost you £46. <laughs> the last game this week is brought to us by a game brewer designed by Tom Wanderveer and it's called Rulebenders. Now this one is a very strange one. Rulebender seems to be a unique game to me where you've discovered a machine that allows you to travel around different times. So you need to pick four different themes. As an example, you could pick on though, pirates, prehistoric, fantasy, sci-fi. Then in the game, you'll be looking to bend the rules. The game is played over four different rounds. Players will take turns to perform an action each round until they decide to pass. In turn order, you place a cube in one of the seven different rule panels or on the tiebreaker track. Or you play a card from your hand in order to perform multiple actions. Then players who've won a majority on the different panels will bend a rule of the game and move their evolution marker. You'll be able to collect electron or nuclear tokens which will wield the chips you need to win the game. There's over 250 cards in the game, so you'll be able to experience lots of different replayability and blending all these different themes. Rulebenders has just broken through its goal, so it's now funded. Pledge levels start at £49, and that will give you the Electron Edition and all the stretch goals. Or you could go for a Nuclear Edition for £71. This will give you 6 miniatures and 70 metal chips with it as well. You've only got until Friday, December 11th to jump on it, so not long to go. This game has me really intrigued and I can't wait to play it. Well that's another one done guys. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'd like to say massive thank you once again to Matt Buck. All of the games talked about tonight will be featured on the website so feel free to go onto there. If you click on the podcast and then you'll be able to find everything listed on the show notes. If you've got any comments or suggestions, then feel free to contact me either on the site forum at tabletopramble.com or alternatively, you can email me at tabletopramble at gmail.com. Till next week, stay healthy, stay happy, and I'll catch you then.
Thank you.